Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Amen. You may be seated. I wonder how many people who are here this morning have ever seen a silent film. Please raise your hand. Okay. Fewer of you than I thought. Um, So, back before films had sound, they just had pictures. And in order to introduce each scene in the film, they had text boxes that came up and gave you a little idea of what was about to occur in the coming scene. And as I was looking at the passage of scripture that we're going to be studying today, it seemed to me that it broke up into five different scenes, each of which would be well introduced by a silent movie text box. And so I uh, hope to work through the passage with that in mind this morning. The passage is Genesis chapter three. If you'd like to open to that passage in your Bible. If you um, didn't happen to bring a Bible with you this morning, there are Bibles in the pew rack in front of you. Please grab one and turn to Genesis three. And as we prepare to study this passage together, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word, that you've written down everything we need to know in black and white so that we don't have to wonder and and make it up on our own. But you've sent your word to guide us. Your Holy Spirit has inspired it and now you're able to speak to our hearts as we study it together and teach us. So Lord, I ask you to guide my words and to fill the hearts of those who hear that they would receive what you want to say to them. I ask in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as we imagine Genesis chapter three as a silent film, the first scene could be introduced by the text box, the dastardly deed. And uh, the scene starts by introducing our villain in the first part of verse one. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And so the villain of our film is a sneaky snake and this sneaky snake is even more villainous than we might imagine at first glance because there are several passages in the New Testament that tell us that this sneaky snake is actually Satan 
that Satan is indwelling and empowering this snake in his evil deed. And so, for example, in Revelation chapter 9, or chapter 12 and verse 9, it says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so Satan comes into the Garden of Eden, and he is the villain of our peace. And then this scene back in Genesis chapter 3 and still in the first verse, the second part of the verse, introduces the damsel in distress. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made, and he said to the woman. And so this woman is about to be the victim of an evil plot. The sneaky snake starts out his evil plotting with an innocent-sounding question. So verse one still. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So the snake says, hey, did God tell you you couldn't eat from any trees in the garden? And uh, it sounds like an innocent question, and so the woman uh, comes back with a, um, you know, just a simple answer, um, and in verses two and three, it says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now when God gave the command about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that stood in the center of the garden, in chapter two and verses 16 and 17, he gave that command to the man because the woman had not yet been created. And that might account for a slight difference between the way God gave the command in chapter two and the way the woman quoted it in chapter three. Because in chapter two, verses 16 and 17, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And in chapter three it says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And so there are several possible explanations for this very slight discrepancy uh, between uh, chapter two and chapter three. Uh, the one is, um, you know, God gives Adam the command and Adam's passing the command on to Eve after she's created. And so Adam says to Eve, uh, God commanded us not to eat of that tree in the middle of the garden. In fact, let's not even touch it. And so uh, Eve kind of confuses Adam's little addition with uh, uh, the command of God and puts the two of them together. Uh, another possibility is uh, Adam says to Eve, hey, uh, we're not supposed to eat from that tree in the middle of the garden and uh, because it'll cause us to die. And Eve says, wow, that, 
that tree is really, really bad. I don't even want to touch it. And so she's kind of putting her own thoughts in as she's saying, hey, God commanded us not to eat it or even touch it lest we die. And there's uh, one other possibility. And um, the uh, President Calvin Coolidge, um, he was known as Silent Cal because he was a man of few words. And so one Sunday morning, President Coolidge went to church and his wife Grace was ill, so she stayed home from church that day. And so Calvin Coolidge went to church and came home and, and Grace said to him as he arrived home, uh, uh, what was the sermon about today? And Calvin Coolidge said, sin. And uh, his wife said, uh, yeah, Cal, but uh, what did the pastor say about sin? And Calvin Coolidge said he was against it. And uh, so, you know, kind of got the Calvin Coolidge version of, uh, so Genesis chapter two, we kind of have a short summary, the Calvin Coolidge version of what God said. And then in chapter three, uh, Eve is telling us a little more detail about what God had actually said when he gave the command. And I'm not sure which of those is the actual explanation for this slight discrepancy, but anyway, we do have one here. And um, so with that in mind, Uh, The sneaky snake then goes on to tell a deadly, bold-face lie. And in verses 4 and 5, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so the serpent says, you're not going to die. In fact, if you eat from this tree, it'll make you like God. Because you'll know the difference between right and wrong. And so you're not going to have to depend on God to tell you what's right and what's wrong anymore. Because you'll just be able to decide for yourself. And so... Uh, the serpent is saying to the woman, you, you really need to be independent of God. You don't need God telling you what to do. You need to be able to decide for yourself what to do. And as you think about a deep sea diver on the bottom of the ocean, and uh, he's got this hose that's going up to the surface. And he says, you know, I get sick of dragging around this hose all the time. And uh, I'm sick of the people on the top always being able to jerk me up anytime they want. I want to be independent. And so he pulls out his knife and he cuts the hose and uh, dies. And that's what the serpent is asking the woman to do, that she is created by God, she is dependent upon God for everything, and he's asking her to cut herself off from God. And the woman then steps into the trap that the sneaky snake has set. And so in verse two it says, so the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, 
She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And so Eve says, wow, that fruit looks kind of yummy, and it's kind of pretty, and it's going to give me this new superpower that I'll be able to tell right from wrong all by myself without needing to trust God to know what's right and wrong. So I'm going to eat it. And she did. And then there's a surprise as the camera pulls back and you see that the man is standing right there. Well, she does it, not saying a word. And then she hands him a piece and he eats too. And so they both rejected God's authority over their lives and said, we don't need God. We can run our lives on our own. And so then we come to the second scene in our tragic film. And this scene could be introduced by the text box, Exposed. And the scene begins in verse 7 with nakedness and with shame. It said, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And so before they sinned, they had absolutely nothing to hide. And now suddenly they feel that their guilt and shame is visible to everyone. And so, you know, Adam takes the fruit and he eats it and says, mmm, yummy, something doesn't feel quite right. Oh, here's a leaf, here's a leaf. I'm gonna try to get these things together make myself some kind of flimsy and inadequate covering. And then in verse 8, they hear something. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so, uh uh-oh, God's coming. And they quick run, look for a place to hide before the time that they spent with God was always the best time of the day. They liked being in his presence. And now suddenly they feel so cheap and so dirty that they can't stand to look him in the face. And so they hide and they're hoping he'll come and say, oh, they're not here and he'll go off somewhere else and, and leave them alone. And so, and so they're hiding in the garden and in verse nine, God calls out to Adam. And it says, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? One of my earliest memories probably my very earliest memory, is one that I'm not especially proud of, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I was sitting on the living room floor, and my mom was babysitting another little boy, and he was sitting on the living room floor, and we were playing with toys. 
he took a toy that I wanted. So I grabbed onto the toy, he grabbed onto the toy, we had a tug of war, he won. So I grabbed onto the toy again, and this time I applied my teeth to his upper arm. Chomped down really good, and he let go of the toy. And I was very happy with the outcome. I had the toy and was happily playing with it, and my mom walked into the room. And uh, my mom said, did you bite him? And I said, no, mom, I didn't bite him. And she said, whose teeth marks are these on his arm? I was busted. But my mom didn't say, did you bite him? Because she needed information. Because my mom already knew good and well what had happened. She walks in and sees a crying boy with teeth marks on his arm and another one happily playing with a toy. She knew exactly what had happened. And so she wasn't seeking information when she said, did you bite him? She was trying to give me a chance to, to confess. And so uh, God comes to the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? And it's not that God needs information. Oh boy, I can't find Adam, you know, anywhere. I look and look and I just can't find him. I need help to find out where Adam is. But it's Adam is here hiding and he needs to come clean about what he has just done and I'm going to give him the chance to confess. And so I'm going to ask a question that will give him the chance to confess what he's done. And so Adam starts out halfway decently in verse 10. It says, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And so Adam admitted that he was naked and afraid and that he hid himself and, and, and that was a good start but, but then his confession kind of fizzled out because he didn't say why he was naked and afraid and hiding himself. And so God helps him out with another leading question in verse 11. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? And so Adam had a chance to come clean. But his confession really went off the tracks in verse 12. It says, Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And so God says, Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? And Adam could have said, Yes, I did. I disobeyed your command and sinned against you. But instead... She did it to deflect the blame. You know, here I am, I'm just an innocent bystander. She, she made me do it. It's all her fault. In fact, God, when you get right down to it, this is your fault because you gave her to me. You know, did I ask for a wife? No, you came along. You gave me a wife to make this happen to me. This is your fault, God. And so, so Adam tries to deflect the blame. And uh, 
God doesn't say anything more to Adam at that point, but he turns to the woman and gives her a chance to confess in verse 13. And the Lord, (coughs) excuse me, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so Eve does a little bit better than Adam. She doesn't say, you know, it's Adam's fault. She doesn't say, God, this is your fault. But she doesn't accept the blame herself either. She says, the devil made me do it. And so uh, she deflects the blame as well. And that brings us to the third scene then in this silent film. And it could be introduced by a text box, condemned. And so the Lord deals with the serpent first in verses 14 and 15. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so the serpent is cursed and from the serpent's point of view, the worst part of the curse is that he's going to be defeated and he's not just going to be defeated, but he's going to be defeated by a descendant of the woman. And uh, in this very dark, dark story that we're looking at today, this is the first ray of light that we have because the devil is going to be defeated and a descendant of the woman is going to defeat him. Well, then in verse 16, the Lord goes on to deal with the woman. And he says, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And so... God tells the woman that the joys of motherhood and marriage are going to be mixed with sorrow for you. It's going to be painful for you to have kids. And you're going to have high hopes for your husband, but he's not going to turn out to be Prince Charming. And uh, verses 17 to 19 the Lord speaks to Adam. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And so the Lord says to Adam, hey, 
You know, up to now, you've had it pretty easy. Anytime you've been hungry, you just walk up to a tree, reach out your hand, grab some fruit and eat. But now, making a living is going to be a tough grind. And then you're going to die. And so God says to Adam, life's going to be hard. And then you're going to die. Unfortunately, the film doesn't end there. And the next scene is introduced with the text box covered. Verses 20 and 21. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And so God covered Adam and Eve's nakedness. When they sinned, their guilt and shame was exposed and God took care of that need. An animal died so that Adam and Eve would no longer be naked. And this animal was a picture of a coming savior that God was going to send. A savior who would die to take away the guilt and shame of the human race for their sin. And so we have another glimpse of light in a dark film. Well, the final scene in the silent film is kind of jarring because it's a theme that was not ever, to my knowledge, introduced in a silent film. And that theme, that text box, is zombies. And verses 20, or verses 22 to 24 say, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And so when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they died spiritually. And if in that spiritually dead state they had eaten from the tree of life, then they would live forever physically in a state of spiritual death. And so they'd be the living dead. They'd be spiritual zombies. And God had a better plan for the human race. And so he removed Adam and Eve from Eden. And he said, physical death is going to be a picture for you of your spiritual need so that someday you might be redeemed by the Savior that I'm going to send. And so then as we come to the end of this film, we see that this film doesn't stand alone. It's not a one-and-done film, but it's an introduction to an ongoing saga that continues down into our lives today and beyond. And so our last text box can be the end of the beginning. Dogs have little dogs and Cats have little cats, and sinners have little sinners, and 
Each of us was born into a fallen world as a little sinner, cut off from fellowship with God. But God has not left us helpless and hopeless. He sent the promised descendant of the woman to defeat the serpent. He sent the promised Savior to die to take away our guilt and our shame. And so Jesus, the sinless Son of God from all eternity past, became a man born to a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the new Adam who does what the first Adam failed to do. He lived the perfect sinless life that the first Adam and each and every one of us have failed to live. He was tempted by Satan like Adam was and like we are, yet he was without sin. He fully bore the penalty of death that we can never fully bear. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And now any who call upon him for salvation are restored to fellowship with God through faith in him. If you come here this morning burdened down with guilt and shame, if you've been busy trying to sew fig leaves together to cover up your guilt, if you need forgiveness and cleansing, you can receive it through Jesus Christ. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith in him, then we know that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if you are not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, you can call on him today and receive the forgiveness and the cleansing that he offers. The one who can take away all of our guilt and all of our shame. If you'd like to know more, I'd be glad to tell you more. Let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with nothing to boast about except you. That when we had sinned, rebelled against you, rejected you, that you showed your love to us and that while we were still sinners, your son Jesus Christ died for us. And now if we confess with our mouths that your son Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that you've raised him from the dead, you've promised that we can be saved. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who are here this morning and I pray that each one of them would be able to rejoice in the forgiveness and 
cleansing that you've provided through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's any who can hear my voice who are still under a burden of guilt and shame, trying to cover up their own sins, that they would come to you and receive forgiveness and cleansing through your son, Jesus Christ alone. I ask in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.